0: Yeah, joke, no? Okay, here we are. Uh, hey, we're starting a, a new Monday night experience, which I'm super uh, pumped for. And uh, and we're also starting a new series uh, that we're calling uh, uh, Huddle Up. Uh, and I'm a big sports guy, so anytime we can work a good sports analogy in there. We do, Uh, and my son's named after Tom Brady, so uh, that's okay. Anyways, uh, oh, we're not talking about. I want to talk about the Wilsons, Uh, not not Graham Wilson, but uh, some other football Wilsons. Uh, Football huddle. You know who doesn't have a huddle? Tennis players. It's a single person sport. They don't huddle up. Who cares? They can talk to themselves and they're crazy, whatever. But in a team sport, you huddle up. Because you got to know the play. you got to know what to do. That's what football players do. Have you ever seen a football player run the wrong route? And you're like, were they paying attention in said huddle? Have you ever seen a, a player on the field that maybe missed the huddle? And then you're like, is he going to know what's going on? Why do they huddle up? Because they need to know what the coach is saying to do in this moment to then go when the whistle blows to then go and run, run said play. Why do we huddle up? Why are we better together? So we can go out there and execute as God wants us to execute. There's things that we can only do when we're together that we can't do when we're apart. <laughs> Just like a good huddle. Well, Russell Wilson has been in the media a lot. For a while, it was late into the season until he threw touchdown, more touchdown passes than he had uh, bathrooms in his house. <laughs> He's had a terrible year. Did anybody, any of y'all draft him on your fantasy football team? He was terrible this year. And this is a picture of, uh, of him uh, missing a wide-open receiver. Did they... Did they, like, were they in the huddle? Who missed that one? And, and like, what's, what's going on there? When we miss the huddle, we can sometimes run, run, run the wrong play. We can leave this building and feel like, hey, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, but we missed the huddle. We weren't there. We don't, we don't really know what we ought to be doing. Tonight, I want to talk about love and not like, you know, the other Wilson, that Zach Wilson guy, <laughs> not the way he loves his mama's friends, huh? but uh, <laughs> he sports people in this room. Uh, I want to talk about love from the page book of Jesus, his, his playbook and how Jesus has called us to love one another to know uh, that we know, and I'm saying, hey, Jesus is all about love. And no one in here is like, well, you know what? I'm glad I came on a Monday night to church for the pastor to tell me Jesus is love. We all know it. Jesus is love and he's all about love. So why do we fumble it so often? We're gonna look at love and again, that page in Christ's playbook. And this is what we're looking at when we huddle up tonight. And we're going to look at Jesus talking to his disciples with the end in mind. He's about to go to the cross, but he's painting the picture not not only for what the moment is, but what the moment represents for all of eternity. So we're going to be in John chapter 13 tonight. If you're new here, just Google John 13 ESV. It will pop up on your phone. It will also be up on the screens. It's in the, uh, it's in the app. There's a Wellspring Weekly uh, that you guys can look up. That will have all the points. It will help you walk through this. It's new Go Deeper studies uh, so that you guys can go deeper than just uh, an hour a week. Uh, those are in the hallway and also on that weekly rundown where the scripture is as well. Uh, before I read God's word, let me, uh, let me pray one more time. God, It's been, uh, at least for me, a crazy week that it's a blur after Christmas. And uh, Father, I know not everybody in here uh, maybe has young kids at home, um, but Father, I thank you for well, kids. (laughs) Um, I thank you, Father, that we can be in here and we can be focused. Um, Father, I thank you for, um, Father, faces I haven't seen in a while or faces, Father, that I just met a few hours ago. Father, I thank you for you being the only reason why um, we can all come together with different likes, different interests. Um, Father, why we can sing a song that says we will not be shaken when our eyes and our, our faith is in you. You made a promise that said the, that hell, all of hell will try to, to ruin what you're doing. But you made a promise that this church would still be here. And here we are singing about how we will not be shaken. Father, thank you. In your name, amen. John chapter 13, verse 31 says this, when he had gone out, he being Judas, Judas, we'll get to that in a second. uh, He said, Jesus said, now the son of man, uh, now is the son of man glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify himself and glorify him at once. Judas is left. He's about to betray Jesus. And the whole process is, is started for where Jesus will be at the cross. And in this moment, Jesus doesn't look at the disciples and say, yo, guys, guess what? Time for me to die. He's talking about his death from a different point of view, from a point of view that only Jesus can talk about it with. Jesus is looking at the cross and what is about to happen. And he's not using the D word death He's using the word glorified to call something excellent, to look upon something and say, man, that's a visible visible (laughs) uh, expression of excellence. It's seen. something good is before me. It's when something is good that is before me and I'm bringing it glory. I'm putting honor and worship upon it. Judas just left. Jesus is about to be beaten, betrayed, stand on trial, be spit upon, punched, crucified, and he's using the word glory, glorified. Why does that word fit when there's mockery and beating and murder and rejection? How would anybody in that moment recognize that this is the glory of God? Well, you and I do because we have the vantage point of history now, don't we? Because in that moment, what do we see? God's perfect justice, that he can squash his own son, destroy his own son, why? So that you and I can walk around knowing that we are the most dearly loved people on this planet. (laughs) That the grace of God, through the expression of of a savior that's willing to die for us and God still be seen as just for forgiving us. On, at the cross, we see patience. At the cross, we see mercy. At the cross, we see wisdom, humility. We see it all. And when we see it, and we are gripped by the grace of God that's displayed on the cross, shouldn't it bring us to a place of worship? When we understand what Jesus Christ did for a wretched sinner like me, man, I'm still, ha- I'm still having struggles wrapping my mind around what Jesus has done for me. But the, bl- the best I can explain it, Glory! <laughs> Glory to the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Whenever I'm in my kitchen making my award award-winning cookies, I I will take you take the dry ingredients, right? And you you mix them up. You know, make a little mess. That's so fun. And my kids will walk in and they'll be like, "Yo, what you doing?" I've never once looked at them and said, mix and dry ingredients. That's not what you say, right? Any any bakers in the room? Let's have a bake-off. Just kidding, no, no. (laughs) Any bakers in the room? What do you say? You give the end result. They ask me, Dad, what you doing? I'm making cookies. Uh, Well, But that's not exactly what I'm doing. I I am, but I'm not at the same time. Jesus is looking at the cross, giving us the final product. And there's a whole lot there that, that we still, we spend our whole lives trying to wrap our minds around the cross. And we will at some level, but there's other levels where we'll, we never really will. We're always growing in that knowledge. I don't understand baking soda. It exfoliates a face. That's weird. It cleans bathrooms. That's weird. And I put it in my cookies. That's weird. <laughs> so when my kids ask me what are you doing well let me tell you about baking soda and why it's in my cookies <laughs> I don't really understand it but I know it's super important you and I are growing in the knowledge of a Savior that died on the cross for us it's something that you and I can spend our whole lives trying to understand and you should do that but the end result of what we know is the glory of God the glory of Jesus Christ. And so as we speak about love in this page book in Christ's playbook, if you love me, you will. If you've ever said that, then you don't understand the love of my Jesus. But if you've ever said, well, because I love you, I will, then you might just be on to something. Here's what I see as Jesus is about to go to the cross. Here's here's what I say. A playbook from Christ's uh, love page or love the love page of his playbook. Here are the three things that I, I think I can see in this one little moment. That godly love is a glory reflector. When you and I love other people, when you and I lie, love the least of these, when you and I love each other, you know what we're doing? We're not doing it as Christians to bring glory upon ourselves. All glory goes to Jesus. That's the end result. That's what it's all about. So our love is a glory reflector. Our, our, our godly love is, is sacrificial. My Jesus went to the cross. Love unconditional, agape love. We'll get to that in a second. And that in that, godly love is costly. So as we huddle up and as we talk about love, it's not the easy love the world talks about. It is that costly, sacrificial love that gives all glory not to a person, but to the man, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so this is where Jesus starts the conversation. Now he goes on. He says, little children, Judas is gone. This is, this is the only time that Jesus will look at them and say this phrase. This is a unique phrase right here with Judas gone looking at them. These are my people. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me just as I said to the Jews. So now I will also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. Ah, Jesus, come on. <laughs> You're crazy. A new command I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people, by this, all people, by this, all people, not just the people in the church. By this, humanity will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus, three or so years earlier, was walking around and said, hey, you should follow me. Okay, cool, follow you. Hey, you should follow me, okay. And they leave everything, families, families, jobs. Some of them left a lot of wealth. And they follow him. To the very literal extreme, they have followed him. They've given up everything. And now Jesus is looking at them and saying, in essence, I'm leaving. You can't come. Jesus, you've been the center of our lives the last like three-ish years. And now there's a sudden change. We've been literally following you. And what Jesus does in this commandment is he's now telling them how to spiritually follow him. It's been a crazy, maybe a crazy 2022 for some of us. Maybe you're walking in here and Christmas wasn't exactly like you thought it would be. Maybe you are coming in here with your hurts, hangups, and your baggage. You know what we are to remember that my Jesus is coming back And one of the things he's saying right here is that to get through the hardships of this this life in the midst of as we wait for Jesus to come back, you know what he's left us? Yes, the Holy Spirit and each other to love one another. He's left each other right here, not to walk through life isolated, but to walk through life together. You wanna know what the church is? The church is not the basement of an office building. The church is not a white steeple. The church is you and I, when we are together, loving on each other, because that's what Jesus said. I'm leaving, but y'all got each other in my name. Love each other. And he said, did you guys get... He said, this is a new commandment. you think Jesus was the first person that said that? Leviticus 19, any well-meaning Jew would know. Jesus, come on, new commandment, you are, you, Leviticus 19, you already said it, but do you catch the clarifier? A new commandment I give you what? As I have loved you. So now you have love, you know what to do, but now you have a reference point in how to do it. What did Jesus do right before giving this command? Are you familiar with John 13? Here's what it says. Jesus took the posture of a slave and was busy washing feet, sacrificial, humble. So as I have loved you, you should get to the work of loving other people. You know where we struggle sometimes as a, as a Christian people group? We're far too busy throwing stones. You know, what would be, you know what's great? If you use your hands to wash feet, you won't have any room to throw any stones. So let's get to sacrificially loving people the way God has called us to. Francis Schaeffer in his book, The Mark of a Christian said that Jesus gives the world, the outside world, the right to judge whether or not you and I are truly Christians by what? Our observable love towards one another. It's not symbols, it's not a steeple. You might have a $70,000 cross necklace around your neck, wonderful, cool, Do you love as Jesus loved? You spent $500 on that sweet arm tat. There's a wicked cool cross on your shoulder. Cool. Do you love as Jesus loved? You have one of those punny uh, Christian t-shirts. Cool. Do you love as Jesus loved? If we wanna be about the work of Jesus, we need to be about loving one another. If we want to be known for anything, if we want to be known for the name of Jesus, we got to be known for our love for one another. They gave me permission to share this story, uh, but asked that I would do it uh, anonymously, and so I'll rename the family. I couldn't think of a better name, so I'll just call them the Belichick's. And uh, <laughs> and so Mr. and Mrs. Belichick uh, reached out to me one night and said, "Hey, uh, we got some money and." Uh, we want to bless some people. And I was like, cool. Um, They're like, well, who can we bless? And so I gave them three people. And and, uh, and so they're like, okay, cool. We're going to drop some money off. And fun fact, they also gave me s'mores, uh, mint, uh, mint s'mores, uh, not s'mores, mint, uh, Girl Scout cookie, uh, chocolate covered pretzels. (laughs) It was a delightful day. Um, And so uh, they came over my house and uh, gave me an envelope of cash. And said, just go, and we came into some money, and we're we're giving a a chunk of it away to people. Just split it up in threes and give it out. They gave me $3,000 in cash. And within 24 hours, Ava and I were able to meet with three different people and give them each $1,000. And y'all, I don't do physical touch. That's not my love language. Y'all, I don't do tears and emotions and things like that. But when you give someone $1,000 at Christmas time, there's tears. There's hugs, <laughs> there's the glory of God. Do you think when those three people are going to work the next day and be like, somebody from my church, I don't know who they are, the Belichicks is all I know, gave me $1,000. Do you think anybody from the outside world is gonna be like, well, your church sucks, I'd never wanna be a part of that. <laughs> Doesn't sound like a play I, <laughs> I can't get behind. <laughs> Where do I go again? (laughs) Who are these Belichicks? Let me meet them. Jesus makes it super clear to us that there is an outreach element to you and I loving each other. Pray for one. That's one of our values here. If we call ourselves Christians, if we have the Holy Spirit living up inside of us, we're supposed to be on mission for Jesus. Pray for one is taken from Luke 15, where Jesus leaves the 99 and goes after that one lost sheep. How many of you... Ever feel like a prodigal? That's in Luke chapter 15. (laughs) That Jesus would come after me. It is my joy to pray for other prodigals. It is my joy to pray for people to know Jesus by name. You wanna know what's a great way to reach the unbelieving world? When we wildly love each other in such a way where they're like, I don't understand what's going on, but I wanna be a part of it. And if you think that's an impossible mindset, then read the book of Acts because they were awesome at that. You want to to know why we love? Here are three reasons why. We love because it's the example of Christ. We love because it's a command of Christ. And we love so that the outside world would know Christ. Here's the big thought for us this evening is that love in here is seen out there. When we love each other well, (laughs) when we are happy to see each other, when we cry with those who cry, when we mourn with those who mourn, when we weep with those who weep, and when we laugh with those who laugh, the outside world knows that this is a genuine community of people that really loves each other in the name of Jesus Christ. So love in here is seen out there. So how do we miss it sometimes? Why do we miss it? I think we miss it sometimes because we take our eyes off of Jesus and put it back on ourselves or some other human being. Because here's what happens with Simon Peter. Here's what it says. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus said, you will lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Peter is like super religious in this moment. His eyes are super fixated on Jesus. Peter is so, so caught up in that Jesus is leaving and that he can't go. He's missing that Jesus just told him what to do in the meantime. And Jesus doesn't answer him. He doesn't say, hey, Jesus, uh, 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 why can't can't you follow me? Oh, uh, you know what? It's because I'm going to Wawa. Because I'm going, I'm, you know, I'm moving to Texas. Jesus actually doesn't give him a clear answer. He just says, no, you can't come. But here's what you should do in the meantime. You should love each other. Peter just heard that commandment and instantly puts his eyes back on himself, feeling insufficient when he should be fixated on Jesus and then loving like Jesus. And what will Peter do? If you know the story, you know Peter will deny you know that Peter, Peter, when he takes his eyes off of Jesus, what does he do in the garden? Y'all, when we get to heaven, guess what we can do? We can challenge Peter to a sword fight because he's terrible. He cut a dude's ear off. Was he trying to cut his head off? I don't know, but he missed and got an ear. The Lord Jesus doesn't need men with swords. He needs us to love one another. Peter took his eyes off of Jesus' command to be fixated on loving one another and put his eyes on his own insufficient self. You see this playing out. If you, if you, have, you have young kids, does any of them ever get in trouble? You got, they have siblings. You want to know what happens? One of them does one dirty. The other one did the other one dirty. They all do all uh, dirty, dirty. One kid gets in trouble and they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. But what about, but what about, but what about, were you wrong? Yeah. But what about, that's not your business. Did you do wrong? Yeah, you're getting punished. But what about, you're gonna punish him? And it's it's just kids, right? I do it all the time. If I have to be honest right now in this moment before you, my people. People come at me. You know what I wanna do? I instantly, right here, between these two little ears, I start cutting people down when they come at me. I start looking at their life and thinking every single reason why I shouldn't take to heart what they are saying because of how awful they are when God can speak through a donkey. We do that, right? People come at us or things happen or life gets chaotic or there's stresses in life or, or our friend doesn't show up or, or we didn't get the invite. And all of a sudden we take our eyes off of Jesus and we start asking all of these questions when we are supposed to keep our eyes on Jesus. Why do we struggle to remember to love and this playbook in Christ's book? It's because we are ultimately selfish people that are fixated with ourselves. There's a few different words for, uh, in Greek for love. I'll give you three of them. One is eros, erotic. That's passionate, like I can't control it. <laughs> you guys know some of that. <laughs> Phileo, I saw some dude win here with a Phillies hat. Cool, great. Eagles are rocking it, except for the last two weeks. (laughs) Philadelphia, phileo, brotherly love. That's kind of like that common, everyday goodness type love, like you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back, that type of love. But the love that Jesus is talking about here is that agape love, that when we're selfless. Well, it doesn't matter what you do for me, I just get to love you in the name of Jesus that I can sacrifice and sacrifice. Why? Because I'll never be able to out-sacrifice my Jesus. (laughs) That's what God is calling us to in this moment. And so why do we miss Christ's words? It's because we're selfish. We get fixated on ourselves. If only we would see, like Peter should have seen, that if we wanna be fixated on Jesus, we can be fixated on loving other people. It's one in the same. So what did we say tonight? We said that loving here is seen out there. You know why we're doing this? We're doing this because we used to do a thing in Bayville. Some of y'all were there. In fact, I know some of you only because of Bayville. Praise God for that. I made friends in Bayville and now I get to call you just simply friends without the clarifier of Bayville. But you know why we did Bayville was because some of you talked to me in a gentle spirit and I was convicted to my core. My kids play, one of my kids plays football and he's good at it. And if I said, hey, sorry, Lord's Day, <laughs> you can't play football no more. He would have a fit. I would lose my kid. At the same time, it's an opportunity for him to be in part of something where I get to love on a, a segment of society that I don't get to love on apart from it. In fact, there's a friend over in the Well Kids ministry right now that the brother plays with Brady and they play football all the time. As I'm talking to coaches, as I'm doing things, if, I, if I'm trying to reach the lost world, this is a vital part of that for me. And there's some of you that are here right now because you worked yesterday. I'm so happy to give you a space to still worship God on a weekly basis. Yes, you can worship God anywhere, but there's something about being together, isn't there? Some of you are a waitress. Some of you might be a nurse. Some of you might be in a whole slew of fields. Monday nights, I know some of us here don't get it. Well, it's the Lord's Day. It's the Lord's Day. It's the Lord's Day. I know. But Monday nights has this unique opportunity for us to reach an unbelieving world while at the same time giving people within our own fold the opportunity to worship Jesus when life would have it that they have a hard time doing that. Do you know there are grandparents right now praising God that their grandkids are in this room right now? You know what they don't care about? If it's Sunday or Monday. (laughs) They're just so thankful that their grandkids are here listening and talking and soon gonna have pizza. And so how do we love one another? Just this service alone is an act of love. And so my challenge for you is not simply a self-serving one. I I talked with Graham a lot about this because it seemed like, am I saying something? No, I wrestled with this, but my challenge to you this week, and it's not meant to be easy. It's always meant to be hard and challenging. Some of you guys are faithfully, you faithfully attend on a Sunday. Thank you so much for that. Hey, I'm gonna challenge you, serve on a Monday. Attend, worship God, come to the 11, sleep in a little bit, take your honey out for breakfast in the morning, then come to the 11 o'clock experience on a Sunday. Go home, put your feet up, watch that football. Then why don't you consider serving here on a Monday night, why? Because there's a mom stressed out of her eyeballs (laughs) that is so thankful that their kid is learning about Jesus right now and they're having the space to be here because right now there are people that have been walking around all day long feeling lonely and like, I don't know if I have purpose in life and I hear this music coming out these doors on a Monday night. (laughs) I'm gonna follow and see what's going on. And you just gave somebody the space to get a warm hug on the way in and the opportunity to hear about Jesus' wild love for you and I. And so I'm challenging you to serve on a Monday, not because my job depends on it, not because we'll close the doors, not because we're shutting down Mondays. No, it's our opportunity to love each other and be a witness to the unbelieving world that, hey, when you come in here, you are loved. You are loved and you are loved. Why? Because Jesus first loved us and it's our joy. So I'm gonna pray and we're gonna go into one final song. Worship God, I thank you for what, from our perspective, seems like crazy, wild love. Father, I thank you that you sacrificed. I thank you, Father, that it was such a crazy act of sacrifice, Lord, that in light of the wretched man that I am, I don't know if I can ever fully comprehend your love for me. But Father, I've receded and I give you all the glory. I thank you for being excellent. And Father, as we sing this song and as we leave this place, as we eat pizza, Lord, I've been singing all night that uh, they will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. It's an oldie but a goodie. Father, I do pray that we would leave here and that people would know that we are your children. Not for a t-shirt, not for a Facebook post or a tweet or a ticky-talky thing. But they would know that we are your children, Father, because we want to wildly love the people around us as we have been so wildly I thank you, Jesus. I do pray that you would receive our worship and that this would be all for your glory. In your powerful name, amen.